0: Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, a podcast that analyzes, dissects, and marks out one of the most important eras of professional wrestling history. Today is a very, very special episode. It's the conclusion of a huge project, six years in the work. It is the last episode of our Finger Poke of Doom timeline, the main timeline between Hogan joining the NWO as the third man and him arguably ending the company. As one of the many, many NWO members, this journey has been a huge undertaking and I could not have done it without my two partners. First, Connor O'Donnell, how are you keeping Connor?
1: I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's
0: weird to be at the end. It took us a while to get here, but it was quite the ride. Really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed every minute with you, Connor. And of course, we couldn't be doing this without Fergus Looney. How are you doing?
2: You saying so professional gene there with the like, if I've enjoyed every minute with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it's been six years, to be honest, because uh, I've always looked forward to these, so um, I haven't noticed the time at all. Bit surprised by that, but yeah, I'm doing good. Sad to see this end, realistically, because well, I mean, a lot of it's been terrible, but <laughs> but the actual uh, talking about it has been great. So
0: I haven't always enjoyed watching. In fact, sometimes it's been torturous. But <laughs> talking about the torture, the shared trauma between us has been excellent. yeah,
2: trauma bonds. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> exactly. Today's episode is going to be a little different because we have no pay-per-view to talk about, but we're going to share a bunch of our thoughts about the overall kind of run, this like two and a half years in WCW. But first, I want to ask you guys what you thought of 1998 as a whole. We just ended on the finger poke. We have done the majority of the year. Is, has this been a better or worse years than 97 or 96?
1: Worse. My well, yeah. Man, it was way worse than I thought it would
0: be. <laughs> I mean,
2: do you agree, guys? Yeah, it's not even close. It's okay. by I'm far. Just the making worse, sure. Just making yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I've had to refresh a bunch of myself for a bunch of this. Uh, a lot of 1998 just runs into it itself, right? I think the other years have more distinct sticking out points, and this is just a bunch of I don't know. It's it's hard to keep up episode to episode. Like if if you told me any of these pay per views were actually in '99 instead, and there was a two year gap, I'd believe you. It's just such nonsense and. Non coherency throughout throughout the entire of '98.
1: Part of it is I just felt let down because this was the year I felt it was the year I watched the most. So I definitely had the nostalgic for this year in particular. Of course, Goldberg, Jericho, things like that, the Wolf Pack. But going back and revisiting some of these, it's just the Wolf Pack was woefully bad. Logically, it just made no sense in kayfabe. It was fun to mark out too with their catchphrases and all that stuff, but that was about it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It's like a year that works more on the markability of a brand they had already built than build on the brand. I think every other year I was looking at had like really iconic points like Sting or like the Milanko stuff. And this year, I don't know, maybe Chris's ascendancy. Goldberg I mean, is pretty much I mean, much Goldberg. A, Go- that's a, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no. sorry, let me rephrase it. There's nothing that sticks out as not disappointing. So Goldberg's yeah. win is good, sure. but it immediately gets dashed. We have no time to save her, right? Maybe that's just WCW in a nutshell, because the same kind of happens with Sting. <laughs> as much as I'm ragging on 98, he kind of hits his ascendancy, and we have about two whole seconds to enjoy the rise of the baby face.
2: They're kind of like... The artists who can't help but keep messing with stuff, and not because they're being perfectionist, just because they just can't help meddling with it until it just doesn't work, and they ruin whatever they're trying to make.
1: WCW George Lucas themselves? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, it's probably worse than George Lucas, right? <laughs> no, they, no, no. They, they probably didn't
0: make as much money in the end. <laughs>
2: it's definitely a chickens come home to roost kind of year where it's like all the lack of groundwork they played in 97 pays off yeah. big time in
0: 98. Do yeah. you think this is the worst they do with the like twists to like, got to tune in next week? Or is that just recency biased for me?
1: No, I, th- I, th- I think it's a fair assessment because when you think about how the Wolfpack formed like Sting and Luger were just like, yeah, I'll join whatever. I'm like, what? This could have been like a three month storyline. And it was just kind of wasted. Same thing with the Steiners imploding, same thing with the outsiders imploding, but then come back together like right away. They were just all over the place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We could talk a lot about how like TV or the, 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 the war in itself kind of ruined how wrestling TV functioned over this kind of short era. But yeah, I think it really peaks this year where it's so jarring pay-per-view from pay-per-view. And I don't know what their goal is with anything. I
2: mean, they have arguably the two great, largest, like biggest stars in their company overall across two companies. And one of them gets the title, sure. But the other one is probably the biggest waste I've ever seen in my life with Bret Hart.
1: So... Yeah, this is also true oh, of the year. I d- d- Brett. Didn't even think about Brett. Brett was yeah. just like he just kind of didn't exist for me.
0: Yeah,
2: he may as well not be. He may as well not be wrestling for all that he did in nineteen
0: ninety eight. It it's so disappointing because it's so flat. It's not like they tried something really out there with him and it didn't work. They just like nothinged him. It just yeah, yep. Like, how do you know, I not, not care about Bret Hart?
1: Like, and he had nothing himself too. Like, his performance in the ring was just also just very lackluster, and that's usually where he shines as well. There's no way to salvage it, in my opinion.
0: We we have a group tried to prepare for these like uh, these podcasts, and in it, I'm literally like, Bret Hart and Ric Flair had a match on on our podcast. <laughs> no. That didn't happen. I can't was remember. His, I
1: think it was his first match, to be fair. so And it was sold out. I don't even remember what happens in that pay-per-view in no, general, to no. be fair.
2: No. I read my notes, and I still didn't understand half of what happened on shows. So. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah I, I-, I mean, my favorite one is, I'm going to give you guys a question. There are five unique World Heavyweight Champions in 1998. No, there aren't. Can you name them all?
1: Sting, Hogan, Goldberg, Nash, Macho. Yeah.
2: The last one I was oh, like, I forgot Macho. Oh, I, I yeah. forgot Macho. <laughs> oh yeah, he. I won was gonna the say title. Luger, but
0: I'm like, no, that's where he had to start. Like,
2: Luger was 97.
1: Yeah, so, you just jogged my memory there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was only because I went. I went. Oh, he had it for a day. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, the yeah. weird. Uh, yeah, that. yeah. It's. I think we all agree. I think it's such a weird, lackluster, meandering year where some stuff like the Steiners goes way too long and doesn't really get a conclusion. And then some stuff is just on split second as if they don't, they just don't think their current stuff will pop the ratings on Monday enough. And a lot of lackluster in between. I I think we all agree worst year of the podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I went back to listen to all the 96 episodes and we were so cheerful and like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> but we were like more critical. Like, but this needs to be better, though. Like we were all. And our high horses, like, oh, come on, WCW, do yeah, better. Been. Our <laughs> standards
0: been. were so high.
1: <laughs> we
2: hadn't been broken
1: yet. Yeah, yeah that's
2: <laughs> probably what it was.
0: <laughs> we hadn't watched enough sold-outs. I don't even uh, think besides... that's even
2: close to, like, the worst show either.
0: <laughs> so this we'll year, a, a bit of a bust, but quickly, what do you guys think of the this era of wrestling? In WCW, you don't have to go outside it. What do you think of this era of wrestling in WCW overall?
1: it was about what i expected to a point if that makes sense yeah cuz i was wondering why certain shows weren't talked about enough cuz it was always just bash at the beach jump to a little bit of sold out discussion straight to starcade 97 it was kind of like most of this discussion or like podcast mm-hmm. would always just like focus on those like singular moments but the in between was very discussed very little but kind of, now i kind of know why it didn't seem like it warranted that much in that discussion to a, to a point so i, I was kind of let down but at the same point there was a lot of stuff that i was not expecting to like so i'm really happy that we dove into it
0: well um, what do you think you got to see it through like young eyes and then like older maybe more educated eyes uh, has your opinion changed like hugely on it
1: as far as like the 98 stuff
0: or it, this era is kind of a whole like the, the, like you you watched a lot of this growing up right
1: I didn't really watch 96, 97, at least WCW. So I, I didn't really catch most, most of it.
0: Okay, fair. Then then has your opinion changed of this kind of era of the war in general now that you saw WCW's yes. side? Yes, it did. Yeah,
1: definitely. I, I thought the perception is WCW gets a lot more credit and particularly the people in power take a lot more credit when I think they just really shouldn't. They should just say, yeah, we stumbled. We didn't really do what, what we needed. And it's just, they try to defend themselves too much. Like it's okay. You can just say, wasn't good. We didn't really do well with it. Instead they, they're like, no, it's the dirt sheets and no business and practice. Like it's just a lot of excuses. Like the, the product was bad. It, it doesn't require that much more thought and argument. I, I, I
0: think wrestling has a lot of that and has it on both sides, right? Yeah. So either it's people trying to pass the book when like, uh, oh, this was only half my idea and it was executed bad. But then when people get something right, even if they're right, is a mistake, no one's ever like, what a happy coincidence. Glad that worked out to perform or with it. They're like, no, we definitely planned for it to go like that, perfectly down to every detail. Uh, so there's a lot of that kind of hyperbole and hoping you're going to get hired from your ideas again in wrestling, I think. How about, how about you, Gus? What's, uh, what's your thoughts on this era? And... Have Like, have you changed your opinion much? Like, you watched a lot as a kid as well. I right? think,
2: uh, well, I, I wouldn't have seen WCW all that much, so it's more the other side, and really what comes across to me is the WF is incredibly lucky to still be around because WCW is just so inept at what they were doing. It's just lazy booking and poor use of talent, and I, I totally agree with what Connor's saying in that they're like, they'll make these excuses, but really they just messed up. Like, they had it. And they had a real good shot at taking over properly. And they just completely fumbled because they just were egotistical and arrogant and probably all manner of stuff going on backstage. And yeah, it's just really disappointing when you look at it because you consider who's in the company at the time and what they had and how badly they treated them and how they all left then. (laughs) And they all became much bigger stars uh, in WWF and WWE and so on. Similar enough to Connor, it's like, yeah, I kind of thought that they were closer and things were better. And realistically, it's like, no, they just had like one good idea that worked for maybe like six months, maybe a little bit longer. And Coasted, yeah. And then tried to eat off of it for four years or until the company dies, basically. Yeah, very disappointed, to be honest, in in the long term when I look back at it, because they had everything.
0: I'm super disappointed by how (laughs) correct some of the WWE, what I originally called propaganda is about it. They just failed. Like, they just didn't have great story. There's very obvious, like, creative control being flexed. And mostly, no matter what Bischoff tells you or someone else, they had no idea where to go next, ever. Like, it is very obvious that when storylines end, they don't really have anything past that. And are flying by the seat of their pants. And it's super disappointing. I think you're both right. I think they both had it. I think this whole, you know, Austin came along and blew them out of the water. Is like re- really not shining enough of a light on how big some of the stars WCW had as well. And how much they probably should have had fit- not finished the war. It's hard to put someone out of business. But like been well ahead at that stage.
2: I mean, they had Jericho, Ray, Eddie, Booker T all in their Mid to upper card, ready had to take generations
0: over. of talent left.
2: Every single one of them became a WWF champion of some some description and made a lot of money for the other company. Yeah, and they fumbled on all of them.
0: Yeah, it it is funny. It's such a short stint in this era of wrestling. But if this company had survived, they had talent for years. Who knows what happens? Obviously, we can't predict the future. Maybe some of these guys don't make it because they don't get the light shone on them like they should. But they had like. 20 years of talent locked up there. Ray is still going. Ray could still main event favorite views, you know? So it, it is a bit ridiculous to think of.
1: Yeah, the, I guess my perception wavered a little bit on Bischoff as a person. Yeah, mm. I was much more high on him on some parts starting the podcast. And now I'm much more low on him on a lot of things, particularly like his in-ring character and things like that. The way he handles interviews is always just like, it rubs me the wrong way. But one thing I, I will give him so much more credit for is we're talking about it's the guy was great at acquiring talent and like good talent. Obviously yeah. he went yes. a little bit overboard with it, but his initial signings were just amazing. And I kind of resented that like, ah, he's just copying from Paul Heyman or whatever, but like now he picked the right guys and he had a good vision for, you know, particularly the cruiserweight division. So like, I do actually give him a lot of credit for that. I just wish he had help and just kind of executing more things and how to how to handle the, particularly the main event scene.
0: Also, I always hated that Paul's right. Both the companies copied off him, but it's like victim of your own success, right? Paul shows off the best talent in America, and the big companies like, oh, they're really talented. That's hire them. That's how it works. Unfortunately, it's kind of sad for the small company not being able to defend its talent really long term. But it also took the big companies to go, no, that guy's. Ta- we want him immediately. You know, like he he's going to be the guy. I guess defending Eric a little bit. He does decide to push Goldberg at a point. Do they do it correctly? No. But it is a big risk pushing him. As much as it's like no-brainer, like he's getting your actions. This is a guy that's really green in the business, and there's big downsides to if he fails. And it is a risk to do do what they did so fast. But they pulled a the trigger on a guy that was probably going to make them a bunch of money. I would say whoever did his merchandise is single-handedly responsible for losing them millions of dollars. But <laughs>
2: I'd argue they didn't do it fast enough, to be honest, but anyway.
0: (laughs) It's always hard to say what they thought of him as an actual wrestler, because we we loved his rise. It was really interesting to watch firsthand, because I'm not a Goldberg fan, per se. It was really cool to watch. Even at the point we're at now, is he able to have more than a 10-minute match? And so far, the answer's kind of been no, unless the other guys are really good. Which is maybe problematic when your when your upper card is Hogan and Nash. Your you
2: argument know? is like, do you ever want him to have a match longer than ten minutes? And the answer is probably no, anyway. Because yeah, this
1: is also are... true. Yeah, I think my perception changed the most on him particularly mm. because yeah. in, in in the answer to that question, no, you probably don't want to. But he proves that he can have re- actually really entertaining matches yes. on pay per view yeah. as well. It was it was part of that yeah it's part of the propaganda it, but it's part of other people were always kind of down on his WCW run particularly because his WWF run the one that came way later was actually like pretty decent so once yeah. he had that run kind of this run be kind of kind of became more clouded and people were more to sh- like welcome to shit on it just because they remember how it ended not really the rise and how he handled certain matches as well so. I'm actually really happy that we went through this in particular and going into the podcast. This was the one that was kind of like circling. like, I wonder how the Goldberg era is going to go. Yeah. Cause that's the one I remember most fondly. So it, it blew me away of how, how actually well executed it was.
0: It's interesting because um, there's so many, yeah, he has so many detractors out there yeah. and so many outspoken detractors that have done so many shoot interviews. Cause they're like wrestling legends. Like,
1: and some of them are very well warranted too. Like obviously Bret Hart's going to shit on him. And I'm like, I totally
0: understand. Yeah. Bret's uh, had to shit on him for the rest of the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Like he just is. But at the same time, because that's all we heard. Cause there's such a big gap between his runs and in his, def- in his defense, he should absolutely have held out in his contract. I don't blame any of the guys that didn't jump ship. It was pretty scary. What like, look what they did to sting years later so they just get the shit on him and he doesn't really get to be in the limelight to prove them wrong for years and he has a right to be mad at them like i could see why he thought they were coming for a spot and why people were jealous and like why like he doesn't understand why the title was taken off him so from a distance for years i was a wwe fan i didn't really watch wcw besides actually some like 2000 stuff or whatever goldberg seemed bitter You know, when you heard him talk, Mm -hmm. you're like, how is he talking about Kevin Nash like that? Kevin Nash is so cool. Or how dare he like think William Regal, who's awesome, would ever shoot on him. But now looking back, you're a very green wrestler that's put in the limelight, is making a bunch of money, one of the most famous wrestlers on the planet. It's easy to see why he would be a bit bitter about stuff that went down and why he would think stuff is going differently than other wrestlers perceive. So I think my mind has changed a lot on that where, I'm not. I'm still not the biggest Goldberg fan, but I can understand where he's coming from. A lot more now in interviews and stuff.
1: Yeah, I definitely respect his career more now. You know it was, especially it was hard coming coming off from that WrestleMania match with Brock. Yeah, I think it kind of confirmed mm-hmm. the the points that you were that you were making there.
0: That run where he has a bunch of two minute matches and they book him really well. He looks great. Again, I'm not a fan of those matches, but those matches got a lot of attention and lived up to his potential, like his, what he does best.
1: And it's not even just the matches either. Like they gave him promo and his promos were actually
0: really good. Yeah. He needed help. I think that's the big thing. And the big thing that's missing from not only WCW at this time, but there's a lot of talk of it in the WWF locker room as a positive. And I don't think it's a positive. It doesn't always feel like these companies have a bunch of guys trying to get the best product out there with each other. Right. Instead, it's a bunch of guys finding their spot, making their money, and they need to. They have a very volatile career path. But you ever wonder if these guys were a bit like nicer to each other and just try to plan what's best for everyone involved, how much better the product would look? And I feel modern wrestling has that like a little bit more. Sometimes they're still all carnies, but that it's a little <laughs> bit more that a bunch of people are on the same page trying to get the same people over, trying to make a good product, you know? Okay, guys, we got some interesting questions made up here. A lot of a lot of them by our, our excellent editor Connor, but some interesting stuff we had the week to think about. I'm going to shoot some of them off. The first one, I'll let Gus go first on this because this one's really interesting. What three matches best represent this era of WCW?
2: Yeah, it took me a while to get the third one for this, and I'm still there's probably there's probably going to be some better examples, but I think the first one is probably something that I won't be shocked if at least one of you have which is Ray and Eddie from Halloween Havoc. Oh, yeah. 1997. That's probably the best example of the main thing that Eric got right through this period is the treatment of the cruiserweights. Uh, For most of the run, you could pretty much guarantee that the opener or the second match on the card was going to be some form of cruiserweights. They were usually always at least decent. They were good at getting the crowd involved. This is obviously the pinnacle of that. And yeah, it had... Plenty of guys who go on to greater things along the way, like there's plenty of matches with Jericho, Ultimo Dragon, Chavo, Kidman, Hoovy, multiple guys anyway, but Ray versus Eddie is probably the pinnacle of this. On the opposite side of the scale, but it's very representative of WCW, is Hogan versus Piper from Starcade ninety six. Mmm, okay. This is probably the best example of WCW bait and switching its way with smoke and mirrors and having all the bullshit in the world to finagle their way out of their booking, which they increasingly had to do more and more as time went on. But this is probably the first real example of it because obviously Piper won, but he didn't win the title because he is the stupid, stupidest baby face alive on the planet. They would do this multiple times with very stupid things, uh, but I think this is a this is probably the first real one where they were like, oh... This is such a terrible decision and they just really didn't care for the crowd. And then finally, I'm going to go with World War III from 1996. You could pick Whoa. any World War. You could pick any of them. But I like this one because Lee Marshall gets obliterated by the faces of fear. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And um, it's largely because usually when WCW took in a, made an attempt at something... They would try, they would do their best at it, but it just would fail. So, like, things like this, the sold-outs, uh, war games, uh, lots of these were, like, big marquee type events, and they just fall flat on their faces. World War Three is probably the, be- the best one for me, because, oh my god, the camera angles are so bad. It's a bad idea in premise anyway, there's so many people in the ring, you can't watch anything, you don't understand what's going on, plus... 85% of them people in the match don't matter. So you just don't get invested until the last 10 seconds or so. And uh, you're just bored by that point. So is that,
0: is that the one where Giant just stands in the corner for 90% of the match? Uh,
2: one of them is Giant where he does nothing. Another one is Kevin Nash where he does nothing. Uh, and I can't remember the one in between. Scott Hall wins that one. So I I, <laughs> I don't remember. Probably who. does nothing, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure he's doing nothing as well. There's
0: one where Goldberg spears 100 I can't remember. I don't think oh, he no, was that in that any of them. A, that uh, that's a battle, battle royal. That's a battle royale. He just spares like 50.
2: When people. he was already champion. And I don't understand why he was in that. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's just really about their really poor use of gimmick matches. So very nice.
0: nice. Yeah. Good list. Good list. How about you, Connor?
1: Yeah, I, I, I like this question just because you can take it from many different angles. Eddie versus Ray was definitely on my list. I had like a list of like five matches. I think what I like about that match in particular is is it can stand alone, but is also really great if you know the storyline going into the match as well. I mean, you can understand mm-hmm. the storyline within the match, but seeing the build up to the match definitely helps the emotion. So that I think that's an excellent choice. But I, I'll I'll select something different as, as far as like a it's not really a cruiserweight match; it has a cruiserweight in it. But I think this kind of encapsulate like kind of what we saw in WCW. And it's one of my favorite matches that we got to cover that I didn't think that we were I was going to like. Uh, it was Ultimate Dragon versus uh, William Regal. Uh, Slammery. Oh, great, great match. I think it kind of points out that just like WCW can just pick up two like random guys and they can just have an amazing match. Obviously, it's like one cruiserweight and one non-cruiserweight. And it's also one guy's from Japan. The other guy's from European. Blackpool. So it's like you can have like many different styles, whether it's ethnically or wrestling style, character wise. And somehow like it can kind of work. Obviously, a lot of times it doesn't work in WCW, but it kind of shows like what we got to experience during this era. Just a lot of different things, a lot of Japanese wrestlers that would just kind of show up out of nowhere. So it was really cool, particularly that match. So it's definitely an underrated match for sure from this era. So I, I, I like to give it some uh, some love. Otherwise, you know, probably the Ray versus Psychosis match might also Great win that spot yeah, for me yeah. as far as like an undercard match. I, I kind of did one undercard match, one midcard, and one main event match. That's yeah, kind of how I sense. broke this down. Uh, my mid card match was Goldberg versus Raven. I, th- I wanted to do like a Nitro match as well because I think Nitro matches just they put on some insane ones that probably should have been on pay per view. This one was probably one of them, and I think this one was done exan- insanely well. Um, I think this was just like the the heights of of Raven. I think they used the character perfectly just for this moment. And uh, for the main event, I'm probably just going to default to Bash at the Beach. Not that the, I I don't like the match at all. I thought I was going to like it a lot more but it's mainly just for the reveal, but the anticipation throughout the whole match also, it really hits home. And it's just like, it's the most iconic match from this era. Um, Otherwise you could probably just say Goldberg and Hogan, but I didn't want to do two Goldberg matches. So that's kind of why I chose that one.
0: Yeah. Great list. A lot of mine covered there. One that I have that kind of shows the absolute clusterfuck, which was a lot of the main events in this (laughs) run
1: that's why i like the bash one because there is some kind of clusterfuck moments in it so that's why i'm like
0: ah, yeah it has everything exactly i have wcw uncensored 1998 i first picked this one because i thought it was when macho man explodes his knees from jumping off the top but no macho man has horrible cage matches twice in this uh in this run uh, this is when uh, it's the disciple interference and knocking out referees and stopping Savage and it's just a mess. And then Sav- and then Sting masks are there, and the match is just a <laughs> yeah. no contest, even though it's a cage match. And is this, is this the it, one with the fan? Oh, it might be yeah, the fake. Well? The fan we didn't know was fake or not. I can't remember if this was the age in the cage or this one. But well, it's like, one of those anyway. This isn't even like. This isn't even the the championship match in the card. That's Sting and Scott Hall. Why is this the main event?
2: (laughs) You you know exactly why, brother.
0: (laughs) It is the absolute worst. Besides that, I have Starrcade 1997 because it is in the middle. It's this wonderful mix-up of a great build that should have been better, but is a bit of a letdown in the end. A decent match out of Hogan. Should have just been one of the biggest points in their history. But they gotta throw some shade over it, so you'll tune in on on uh, Monday night. And then, yeah, the other two, I actually have both of you uh, both uh, agreeing with you guys. I don't think I'm gonna choose a different one because they're just too iconic. Ray versus Eddie for Halloween Havoc. But honestly, yep. it could have been many Eddie matches. I was thinking of making Eddie versus Chavo. I can't remember which, which yeah movie that was. Eh, it's yeah, one. yeah, It's a good one. Yeah,
1: going back to '98, something that I was not expecting to be
0: awesome was that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not amazing. Uh, it's not the pinnacle, but Eddie versus Chavo, you know, showed it off from Chavo and just showed that Eddie was just having good matches with everyone at that stage. And uh, I just have to have the Bash main event. It's just such a visceral feeling watching it. Even watching it back now, and I know everything that happens, 96 gives such a great reaction that's probably never going to be matched or very hard to be matched in wrestling history. So I think that just has to be on your list. The event itself, <laughs> looking back at it, was not great but just worth it for that main event. Speaking of great things, who was the MVP of the podcast? This doesn't have to be underrated or overrated, just the best wrestler, the best WCW wrestler at the time. Who do you think it was?
2: Yeah, there was a couple of guys I could have picked here, but realistically, this man saved my mind for the last half of 1998. And without him, I think I would have gone crazy. So it's Chris Jericho. I think he showed probably... At least over the second half of the, of the portion of the sh- of what we did, that he was constantly trying things. He was constantly messing with his character. He was doing whatever he could to try and get over. You could really tell that he was being given his own creativity because he was able to do his own stuff, and it was getting over. And it, you were always sure that no matter what, if he showed up, something entertaining would happen. Whether it's the Man of a Thousand Four Holds whether it's <laughs> uh, the rule book when he goes to the Congress and the Constitution, or it's the crybaby when he joins, when he gets Ralphus, or he... Oh, what else has he Dean, done? Dean
1: taking off the mask. Yeah. Dean
2: taking off the mask is an Im- incredible moment, where which he has to get there. He has to promo for a solid month what to I get mean, that yeah. over. One of my favorite ones <laughs> is the Cruiserweight Battle Royal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yep. where he gets to ridicule every single entrant so uh that's that's the precursor to getting his comeuppance from from dean uh so yeah i just think he's a a massive star in all this they massively missed the boat on him i think it's quite clear even without hindsight you can kind of say they wasted him and then he obviously went on to amazing do amazing stuff over the last 20 plus years and he's somehow still going i don't understand how he's still had a pretty good match there even recently in Wembley. So yeah, MVP is Amazing. Chris Jericho for me.
1: Good answer. Good answer.
2: Yeah.
0: How about you, Connor?
1: So if you listen to the podcast, you probably can guess my answer. Uh, it's this guy that I've been pretty high on pretty much since the first episode. And it's Scott Hall. Mm. I think he legitimized the company from day one that he came in. The original promo he did is I think it's like a top five promo in WCW. It's so good. I think it was just kind of the best mouthpiece yeah. for the NWO. I just wish like almost none of the members, other members, would talk. Like I think he was entertaining, but he also got the story across, and he did that like even with all the problems he had with alcohol. So like I think he's the best promo guy in the company. Yeah, throughout no the whole thing. Yeah. Most importantly, though, I think he put on decent matches, but he also put yeah. over other talent, which I think other NWO members just like really struggled with like they yeah. were either too worried about their spot or they couldn't carry matches or they couldn't really like cut promos i think he he had everything but he was also like still kind of cool so people still liked him but they still liked to boo him so like i think he was kind of the antithesis of like what the nwo like was supposed to be like i think he was like kind of the heart of the group scott so, enjoyed yeah. himself yeah and i i mean i think he's still had to have that match with Kevin Nash in 98. Like I Mm. was not expecting like great things. So I I think a part of it too, is I wasn't expecting this amount of great work from him in this like three year span. Obviously it drops off a cliff uh, right after our era. But um, I think if if you have to pick from this era, because obviously he started right when our era started that we picked like to basically when he's kind of not in the, the best shape. Yeah. Uh, mentally, so it's, I I think, MVP of the podcast for sure, at least for me. Because, like, I was watching the Nitros from 96 to 97, and man, him doing the survey promo like, it was man, was it formulaic, but it was great every time.
0: This one was really tough. Because, um, as I said, I don't want to just pick some of the underrated guys, I think it's very easy to pick Eddie or Ultimo here. Just cause especially Ultima wasn't talked about as much as Ray and Eddie yeah, and stuff. He,
1: and, yeah, he didn't wrestle enough. Like he wrestled yeah. a ton yeah. in the first half, but not consistently enough. Like at least Jericho, like
0: was there the whole time.
1: He was there the whole time, but like his first half wasn't good, but he still put on some good matches.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think yep. Jericho's really nice and symbolic as well of the mid-card problem yep. in general. And I do agree with because he's probably the best out of them and probably deserved a lot more. I also kind of wanted to say Sting. Because in the first, he saves a lot of the first yeah. hand of this gimmick. I think it goes under said like as much as it peters off, and he doesn't do much in the second half of our podcast. If it wasn't for him, the NWO I think would fizzle, and that's probably not said enough because they had a rival that lasted a year. Like I mean, no matter what Hogan was doing, you could just go, "Oh, there's a spooky dude looking for you, Hogan," and <laughs> they continued their story. Hogan had something to focus on the whole time, and there was a proper dynamic that lasted an entire year and i think it probably goes under said how much that extended the shelf life of a pretty rudderless nwo bar it's like first couple weeks but i think his second half is quite bad and they spoil his ascendancy and his wolfpack stuff is just paint by numbers no pun intended i think it just has to be goldberg i i think this Hmm. year would be unbearable without him i think the nwo would be kind of lost really early in this year without him And he's really at this stage, the only truly exciting thing that they're pushing because there's other guys like Jericho, like your Booker T's, like your Femois that I could get excited about, like your DDPs, but they're not going to push him. (laughs) Like Goldberg is it. And if he wasn't there, I could imagine him losing this war a lot faster.
1: I like your sting answer more just because he was able to do it outside of the ring more. And I, as I visited the old episodes, there was a lot of times where like, how the fuck can you be on WCW side? Sting is the only guy I like, so I'll go with Sting type of thing, (laughs) (laughs) which makes complete sense, too, because, yeah, like the rest of WCW is just like bitching and whining and like not doing anything. And Sting is the only one like you had a connection with him. You understood his motivations. And you can't say that a lot about a lot of the WCW characters. So it it just felt he also legitimized the history of WCW as well. So I think all that helps.
0: Yeah, it, it's nice to have have reshaped someone from the past instead of just draw from the new, especially when Piper comes in and he's just yeah, the same character exactly. he's always been. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Sting, we, we've harked on about how he doesn't maybe reinvent himself as much as people say because he kind of just does his same surfer boy moves. He didn't really change that much besides the, uh, his finish. But um, yeah, I, I think Sting is also a good answer. Maybe it's like a, a combination of them both because they both do such a good job of carrying the, mm. the story where the NWO really is a tedious, tedious story if you take these guys out of it. I,
2: I would have gone with DDP next, mm, I think, yeah. it, of, of the people. because he was close for me, yeah. He's the one who probably changes the most over time. He's the only one who sticks solidly on the WCW side for all the stupidity that is. And he has a consistent character. He gets steadily over and he genuinely gets pushed and he just kind of falls at the last hurdle a little bit, just because Goldberg is literally a a meteor (laughs) that explodes.
0: Does great work with Goldberg as well on the way up. Uh,
2: Yeah. And I mean, he's like, Randy gives him the push. It's very rare that Randy does stuff that for anybody at that stage. So, you know, he, he earned it uh, in the long run. So I think he would have been my number two, I think
0: okay bit of a lighter question favorite music and least favorite music of the cast
1: All right, i'm gonna have to take this one because uh i've been i've been holding on to this one for a long time at least <laughs> for my honorable mention i can't put this as my favorite because you guys are just gonna laugh at me but so my honorable mention without doubt is ice trains music <laughs> oh my
2: god yeah i vaguely remember ice trains <laughs>
1: It's corny as shit. It has like locomotive sound effects on it, but I just love the old school WCW crap feeling to it, and yeah, it it's yeah, just like yeah. it stuck out compared to the most of like the generic music on their timeline. So like I, I don't know. Every time I heard it, it just put put a smile on my face. I don't know why. But uh, my actual answer is Harlem Heat. Uh, we heard it. Oh, early that's on... good answer. Yeah, we heard it early on the podcast. It never got tired compared to the you know the NWO theme it just got better and better and it's it's a good entrance theme because it gives you that first like what five ten seconds like oh booker T's coming out but he doesn't like rush out some like the nwo theme is like all right fade up nwo music it kind of feels like it's like mid song that kind of just bring it up this one feels like an actual like well thought out entrance
0: it has a nice peak to it yeah yeah it it lets you pop with the music if that makes sense uh yep that's a fantastic answer but what's your least favorite connor
1: uh, without a doubt, B N W O theme.
0: <laughs> can we Never get it out of the way? Do we just all have B N W O yes. theme as to least favorite? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we could. can get out I of it. I have one yeah.
2: dishonorable mention, for
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's
2: is, and that's the giant because he doesn't have music. It bothered go, me those. so much.
0: There you go. That, we can. We don't have to answer. That's everyone's least favorite music. I have to listen to it again. I'm like, it can't be as bad as I remember. <laughs> oh right. my it's god, it's awful. just it's so bad.
2: I've never heard a theme song so literally tell people in, in an arena that these people do not matter more.
0: Here come the jobbers, everyone. <sighs> like,
1: oh, Just
0: one step above, you know, didn't have music. Started in the ring after the Just one step above.
1: Yeah. My, my other dishonorable mentions would be either Chris Benoit or... So bad. So bad. Or yeah, even in the theme of giants, like the the Dungeon of Doom theme as well. Oh, we, had to, yeah. we had to hear that a lot, and it's just like this isn't yeah. a theme. So, uh,
0: how, how about you guys' favorite? So we've got the least favorite. Title.
2: Connor had my favorite. I, I can't mm-hmm. disagree. Harlem Heat is probably the best one. Uh, picking another one after that because it encapsulates not just the the music itself, but the whole entrance would be Goldberg. Yeah, that's um, up there for me. Well, yeah, it's like once you hear the start of it, and it's th- again, same kind of steps of Harlem Heat. There's a build to it, there's a peak, there's you know, something good is going to cool is going to happen because of that. And then, along the lines of Connor's honorable mention, I love the Steiner music. <laughs> like, Steiner, right? it's Steiner, so right? so cheesy, like, and it is again early. 90s yep. wcw but like it sounds like safe spell. works so yeah. well and yeah it's just a lot of fun to hear whenever
1: yeah i guess my criteria is i went with like was this theme used like a bunch as well so like another one that i'd probably put at the top of my list was the horseman theme but it was just like we never got to hear it much yeah. yeah but if you have to ask me like in a vacuum which one do you like the most it would probably be the Horseman theme. i love that
2: probably yeah I, they, they always seem to use their own music a lot I yeah. don't know why that worked. I think Arn maybe
0: one. used it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Arn doesn't get it. He doesn't deserve it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, mine, I think, is actually one of the best wrestling team songs of all time. It just belongs to one of the most diabolic men in wrestling of all time. Voodoo Child is a banger. Oh. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Voodoo Child is a banger of an entrance song. And even though, like, there's a lot of positive vibes around that song... Hogan made it so sleazy. It's almost as, as if he was saying, I think I'm cool by having this song, you know? Like, I'm incredibly uncool, but I listen to Jimmy, you know? Do you, do you hear Jimmy or do you listen to Jimmy, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. It's just perfect for him. It's it, I don't know how he makes Moodled Child sleazy. And obviously, it's a personal favorite song of mine. Besides that, one of the many, many rip-off fucking Nirvana <laughs> Orange Pearl Jam song, DDP's music I actually like even though it's such a blatant rip. It's, yeah, it's, yeah kind
2: of I nasty. stayed away from all those because they are just rips.
1: <laughs> well, we'll, we'll say that. Like, Which rip do we like most? I'll, I'll go with Jericho for me.
0: Maybe Kidman.
1: Kidman's yeah, Kidman or
2: Raven, I think. Those
1: are all good. Yeah. yeah Dave, good. I, I honestly thought you were going to honestly say your favorite music was Jericho's old theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: we, we have a, we have a lot of old episodes and we're like oh jericho's <laughs> old theme. this is great i i do just like that the network have break the walls <laughs> this i actually love this question if you could uh pick an nwo f- five members only not this 120 they ended up with at the end <laughs> of year one if you could pick five core members of the nwo who is who stands out in your head you go first dave yeah oh okay so it ha- just has to be the original three. I'm not a fan of Hogan, but the moment's too big. It's them three guys are the NWO. And I'll pick the duet that made me laugh the most and the best jobbers you could ever ask for. Both Bagwell and Scott Steiner were entertaining. Aww. They were entertaining guys. I don't know. Like the rest of the NWO, they would just make for such good Lebs.
2: Good luck Colin Steiner, a jobber to his face, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they just, uh, all the rest of the B guys are whatever. And so many people get in and out. And I don't really count Sting and Luger and Giant. They're just in and out of it so much. But just the shenanigans of Buff and Scott for the undercard were fantastic. Even if the matches weren't, even if it went too uh, long. The neck braces, the the bringing Scott out in the gurney. Was made me laugh so much. Just repeating what Scott is muffling into the oxygen mask on the mic is just—it's uh, comedy gold. And I think their kind of buffoonery, their kind of like mocking of the faces, kind of exemplifies the NWO to an extent to me.
1: Okay. Well, I, I went in a different direction here. Uh, <laughs> I I do not have Hogan in mind. In my five, well, I think the, the the moment that the third man reveal was like important like he was only like effective for like two months and then it just got really tedious him being in there. That's fair. I thought, but I mean, Hall Nash, I, th- I think we all have Hall Nash. I'm-, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those are like two auto picks there. I went with Ted DiBiase. I thought his mm. run was great. Obviously he like just couldn't stay just because of his personal life. I think it was just like his, his role was diminished. Also, ob- obviously with Bischoff too. Like I never liked Bischoff being in there. Uh, for obvious reasons, throughout the podcast, yeah, it was short so, but it was great. Yeah, so I mu- I much prefer Ted just being kind of like the background character that kind of pays for things. No surprise, X Pac. He's my boy. I think oh, he's the. Chap. I think he's the goon that you need to get beat up. I think he's a guy that's kind of respectable. He's not like a laugh laughable jobber like Vincent or something like that. I think he's like worth getting beat up, but he's also like a cruiserweight. He can also wrestle yeah. a lot. So I think I think the group really suffered without him. So uh, I'm definitely gonna give a my rose to my boy, X-Pac, but I also had Scott Steiner though. I think you also need kind of like, not that he's an up and comer, but he's a guy that's like, he's a WWF guy as well. That kind of jumped back and forth, but he's also a guy that never really had the main event push. And it's like, he's obviously going to get the main event push. So I felt like he's a good member. Bagwell to me is just, it's I, while I enjoyed the, the come, the comedy, like I feel like they derived too much into it with, with the NWO. I felt like they could have been treated more seriously. So I think that's why I didn't include him.
0: Buff was a big guy, probably didn't need to get beat up as often. Can I change Hogan for the NWO ref? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I have NWO ref as my fifth man.
1: Yeah, to clarify, not Nick Patrick, the actual... Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, the whistleblowing the, the, man. Yeah, yeah, the
0: whistleblowing with the kind of weird sleeping cap on. Yeah. Yes, money. Okay, because how about I you? Might to, I might have
1: to change mine to, to that as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm basically like the bridge between you two guys, because, yeah, it's all Nash. No Hogan. Mm. I have Bagwell. And I have okay. Scott Steiner. But I went with my boy, the IWGP champion, oh, Scott wow. Norton. I knew one of you was going to think Because he's just a good, like, Most heavyweight fish. enforcer type dude. Yep. You can heat him up really easy. He's good to get beat up on kind of thing. And I think he'd be good a good fit at that point.
1: The gatekeeper. So, a good, yeah. I mean, good, it's, solid list we got, yeah. Yeah, it really shows that there's maybe, like,
2: eight guys, I guess. Right that kind of fit and then everybody else was super Wall
1: street and big baba weren't great additions to the
2: <laughs> <soundtrack>? <laughs> i couldn't believe that they brought ray trailer back <sighs> i had forgotten he he came back in like 98 for these matches out of nowhere i was
0: like jesus christ yeah it's, it's kind of not, maybe if he had bothered putting on any wrestling clothes while he worked in the company at all even <laughs> i might have him on my list but unfortunately well he got that fixed in WWF, so I, I was tempted to pick Rick Rude and Kurt Hennig cuz they feel very NWO, but while they were yeah, there like it was like they weren't even in the NWO. That they were, yeah, they their were like own their own thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're board, kind of yeah like bro- borderline for me, not embarrassing, but yeah, not not amazing, yeah. yeah.
0: mostly I just want Rick Rude interfering in any match ever. He's <laughs> yeah. <was> so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, just so you can see him prop fall over him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see like instead of Ted for me, I could see Rick Rude like some kind of suit or or some kind of guy that's there. a
0: background character, yeah. I think what made this hard is, as much as I make fun of the amount of members, a lot of the members would have been good additions if any seriousness was put into their run at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it isn't. Yeah. They're just a member to pop the ratings because they you want to tune in next week to see who the new member of the NWO is and then they're <laughs> forgotten, you know. Uh, yeah. So that that is the issue. But pl- plenty of guys to choose from, just no one's serious enough to make the list part. Of a couple guys I think we named. So many good questions, Connor. Another great question here. I thought about this one for a while. Is if you could pick someone from Raw and change them to Nitro, who would it be? And vice versa, who do you think would have worked better than the other company in this era? Gus, you start us off with this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I like my answers. I want to go last with this
2: one. So I, I, um, I kind of I had trouble with the WWF guys for a while because like I couldn't like a lot of them. I don't think really fit. Like they'd just be in the main event and it just wouldn't really really go very well so in the end i went for some mid carters or arguable if they're even mid carters to be honest uh but for going back to wcw and this is purely because i think it would be entertaining to see how much of a fuck up he would be in that company already being a fuck up (laughs) and that's ken shamrock Um, he would be an absolute mess I think for that backstage but I think he would be fun against a lot of guys in the mid card so like you get good matches out of probably Raven Saturn Benoit Jericho all those kind of guys you could probably put him up against cruiserweights it might work so uh, I think he would be fun in that in that kind of role I don't think he would get anywhere near top guys they would be they would just say he's a terrible worker or something so then going backwards I had to pick somebody who had to like Real gimmicky. It's like I need somebody who's gonna like fit in with like all the stupidity of Val Venis and Godfather and whoever else is around. Sexual Chocolate, all that kind of stuff. So I went with our boy Alex Wright.
1: Yes, oh, going to WF,
2: great. so he can live great his answer gimmick because yeah. he doesn't get to live his gimmick properly. And the one thing that you you can always say with WF, whether it's good or bad, they let those guys go. With their gimmicks during that period. So he would be fully able to embrace all that dancing, being European. I can see lots of shenanigans with Val Venus, all that stuff, Godfather, tons of terrible comedy skits. Perfect. And he's a reasonable worker, so it'll all be yeah. work for him. So that's my two. Nice
0: answer. Yeah, nice great answer. answers. I had two guys for each of these. This was really cool. Mine are, I think Gus's answer there blows mine away. So I'm just thinking of guys that weren't utilized probably enough in their runs in either company. So Booker or DDP, I would like to switch. Not that they're bad during the run in the company, but I'd like to see if they could break into the main event of the, of uh, WB if they had jumped at the right time, a bit like Jericho getting an actual push instead of buried because he went before the company went. But Booker gets so close to being the guy in WWE in the long run. It would have been cool to see him there younger and, of course, DDP is just, as we've said, just so unlucky. He's not basically the show in, in WCW with Goldberg. He probably doesn't get there with The Rock and Austin either, but I'd love to see him play off The Rock and Austin. I think he'd be a good foil to either of those guys uh, and could have already seen him do stuff there. Uh, For the other way around, there's two guys, mid-carders, uh, one of them lower than a mid carter, unfortunately. I would have loved to see Vader come back. They do this with Bam Bam later. Obviously, we're not going to get to see the Bam Bam development, but Vader is just completely wasted.
2: Is, is he even in the company? Though?
0: Is it, is it kind 98, of I think he's still in the company. All right, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's just before he's fired. Yeah, it's just terrible. Like the stuff with Sean and Vader's legit, and he has so much cool history in WCW as their champion and a lot of good feuds. I could see him coming into doing stuff. Now, if Sean wasn't going to work with him, I doubt any yeah. of the outsiders would have worked with yeah, yeah. him either.
2: My but brain immediately went there, not getting letting him go anywhere near
0: them.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I could man, I could see him being like a, a hired goon for like the NWO to kind of
0: hired. Yeah, and, yeah. So that'd be kind I of cool. Some people, him, him versus Goldberg. DDP or something. Yeah, Goldberg or Goldberg, massive house fight. Nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Uh, and this one's kind of sad, but I would have liked to see Owen in WCW. I think, him, yeah, yeah, Him and Brett coming over at the same time. Would have yeah. been very or like breath first, and Owen comes to back him up when he gets into trouble with the NWO. Owen was still quite young, obviously, when tragedy struck, uh, still 34, 33, he had a lot to give. And there's some serious wrestlers in the, in the mid card, even if you don't make him a main eventer. Imagine all the amazing mid card stuff you could add with Eddie or Chris or Dean, like just insane matches. Yeah. and Owen at the time, even if tragedy doesn't strike, is doing a lot of comedy stuff, he doesn't really fit in with the mid card of. WWE, uh, F at the time he still does comedy stuff well because he's just one of the most talented guys of all time but I think his real talents would have been with the extremely good mid card. imagine like a Jericho Owen feud Connor what are your answers Who, who's doing the old switcheroo mm. in your roster
1: oh, you guys had some good answers uh, I'm hoping Mike can live up to the hype here so um, in similar vein of to Owen I, I was trying to think of somebody from the WWF that was just kind of like doesn't really fit in at all and I was kind of going with that cruiserweights like vision here. And I was, I picked uh, Taka Min- Minichinoku. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, Taka's great. What's that cruiser? I was like, oh, when is he going to take Taka? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Min- Minichinoku? I can never say that. So I, I thought that was like an easy answer because obviously Vince just doesn't give a shit about the lightweight yeah. division. And yeah. um, I think WCW did a great job giving the cruiserweights time and legitimacy and well,
0: Taka, Taka would have some great matches on there yeah Pretty i was delicious. just
1: envisioning yeah guys who could wrestle like ray Hoovy, dean eddie like I, I would love to see those and wwf fans were less welcoming to uh you know japanese wrestlers at that time and i, th- I thought wcw did a better job like kind of yeah, I, highlighting I those guys in a way so now on the other side i kind of struggled with this one for a while and not sure if i like my answer or not but i went with sting and
0: Ooh.
1: I would have loved to see similar kind of crow sting storyline properly executed like in the WWF, like not, not the server sting. I'm thinking I'm talking about like a fancy storyline <laughs> would be like, he turns his back on the WCW. He considers himself a free agent and he shows up like in the rafters in both companies. And then he does like the silent crow gimmick in WWF. Cause I think like the WWF, they do a good job with booking like the mysterious silent characters like Kane and like the brood. Obviously, yeah. until they talk, but um, <laughs> it'd be really cool to see like Sting have a legitimate run in WWF, not what that, whatever that fuck that was, uh, like many, many years down the line. So,
0: yeah.
1: in the, in the end, felt like WCW wasted Sting a little bit, even though they capitalized on huge buy rave Starcade. But yeah, the... I would love to see them.
0: Yeah, he has some he has some guys in there he can work with as well. Like I'd love to see uh, him and uh, Mankind go at it again when they were still like you know, both had functioning knees.
1: Yeah, if you want to do your goofy voodoo magic type stuff with the ministry or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like I I, th- I think he could fit in in a way. Yeah. Like I I we th- we were critical with like with characters like Glacier and stuff like that. Like WCW is not really great at the giving stories to kind of those mysterious characters. So I think WWF like could have like figured something out that would have been fun.
2: That that's reminding me uh going back through my notes. It's still I can't believe that they had a full-on Sub-Zero in their on nitros and stuff and they stuck wrath on the world combat show <laughs> they didn't that's put great. glacier on i it. thought I about like, choosing oh, glacier for
1: this answer i was like no nah, like, that's that's not gonna work. i did think
2: about glacier for sure yeah i was like how yes. nonsense can we get away with this yes, i, I yes. also did think of swapping sting and taker and seeing what okay yeah well, they would cool. that would have been as fun well.
1: uh raven was a, a backdoor answer for me like raven at this point like kind of like the flock and like him being at like a better in shape at this time, I, I think, or just like, he was more hot coming off of ECW. So yeah. I, I would love to see the, the flock hardcore style, like in WWF. because so I think they would have done it way
0: better. I, I would have loved to, obviously they book it a little bit later. I would have loved to see Raven Austin. Mm. When, when Raven's relevant, when he isn't just eh. a hardcore guy. I think, I I think their characters might play well off each other. They had like small interactions. I think. Yeah. In the ECW. yeah
1: before Austin got too, too big. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. When when Austin's still the intercontinental level guy, right before we like the '98, we, we see him kind of emerge. That would be awesome. There's so many WCW guys you could pick from because so many of them fail in the invasion because they just get buried. Mm-hmm. Like there's so, like, there's so many guys where I'd, I'd love to see them have proper runs, but uh, mm. you know it wasn't to be. This is getting onto a bit of more of a serious question. Something we've definitely talked about in a bunch of the episodes is. What killed WCW the most, in your opinion? It's the a, most clickbaity question.
1: I had to include it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but there's lots of factors. We're not saying what killed it because yeah. we we could all agree what killed it is that the company not wanting it anymore. At the end of the day, we I think we've come to agreements that this company would still maybe be alive today. It, maybe not a juggernaut, but like the company chose to kill it uh, because they didn't like wrestling anymore because Ted wasn't in charge. That is. Probably the most simple answer. But what really stopped it from winning the war? What killed what we knew of WCW?
1: I'm more on Meltzer's side because there's a clear divide between Meltzer and Bischoff on this. Meltzer is more of creative and Bischoff's obviously more business of like what did more damage to the company. So ultimately, my answer, I took a little bit of both. And I think it's the introduction of Thunder. I think it really hurt the pacing Mm. of creative and was a struggle on the business side because Bischoff clearly did not want to do it. And kind of feels like it demoralized everybody going forward throughout 98. The introduction of a second show, it can work as other companies are able to do it as, as time has passed. But WCW, it was the worst, com- worst company to try this for the first time. And they can barely handle coming up with like competent finishes on their biggest pay-per-view. So this was just like a disaster waiting to happen. So that that's my answer of what killed
2: yeah speaking of somebody who watched thunder in 1998 <laughs> it may as well have not been a show uh it's just clips like mm-hmm. they 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 just defaulted on it and went well we just won't have any anything actually ever happen on this show
1: right I think other I than some ju- matches like, yeah and, and they kind of got used to that going forward they kind of did that in nitro so like their yeah. behavior just kind of got stagnant from that yeah
2: so that, that, that's a really good answer I hadn't really thought of it like that but yeah it's it's totally a really big deal.
0: <laughs> no, it definitely is. And even Nash and stuff refer to it in shoot interviews where like, we just had so much to book. We didn't know what to do. They just obviously had no real great plan for Thunder to function either. I am going to go with a very smarky answer here. I like it. I think their failure to capitalize, and what I mean, and I don't mean this in an insulting way because this is where a lot of inspiration comes from, it's certainly where Austin came from in WBF, a lot of their success was an accident. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with trying stuff on TV in these shows and when it succeeds, driving it home. The NWO was an accident. They didn't, like, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash being such big, jaw-dropping things. is not only because, obviously, it's a big jump and these transfers, you know, still to today give big headlines and debuts are always the coolest thing in wrestling. They had to call them Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They brought realism to wrestling TV by accident. They just couldn't use their wrestling names, like, and they didn't have other names, so they're like, let's just call them Hall and Nash, and like, oh, there's gonna be a third guy, and like, they weren't sure up into the night who to use, and they kind of accidentally make the biggest moment in wrestling history, and they just don't capitalize. They don't have an idea. They're not like, okay, let's do this over the next year and see what works best. They just fly by the seat of their pants. And then Goldberg happens, and they just have this like good-looking dude that they home-build, be on TV, and they're like, fuck, he's amazing. That's, oh, let's kind of run with him. What are we going to do with him? It doesn't matter. Just give him the title, and we'll see what we'll do with him next week. And they just failed to capitalize. Same with Sting. Oh, this, this Crow gimmick that I think Scott Hall suggested, if I'm correct, to Sting. Yeah. I think that's the story that Scott Hall just suggests. Like he did in WWF, he just became fucking Scarface on a whims note, uh, like on a late notice, he just became Scarface as a gimmick because he didn't have a better gimmick. So, off the cuff thinking by Scott Hall gets a fantastic character, a complete like turnaround in character for Sting, and they don't capitalize on their most over thing. And it's a failure to really put accidental magic into long term kind of booking goals merchandise, uh that really fails the company in the end. Cause they 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 stumble upon gold multiple times, even the mid carders just trying shit on TV to shut out the competition was their strength and following through on it certainly wasn't.
1: I'll expand on it a little bit too, because obviously like all, all you said is, is valid and like what WCW didn't do, what WWF did, that was so great with what they did. They'll plan certain talents or certain storylines. Like, obviously, a lot of it is like, all right, what are we going to do with Austin this week? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Blah blah blah. Kurt Angle was not a mistake. It was, yeah. No, you're going to be the heel. You're going to be this character, and it's like, okay, perfect. Career is cemented. Same thing with like Kane. Like, nope, we're going to have this well thought storyline. Like they clearly crafted this whole package. Yeah. Like they don't do that for everybody, but like they select the right person. This is the right gimmick. This is the time to do this. Like, so they, as we say, they have a plan. Especially with like the right guys as well,
0: and WCW, yeah. like yeah. Almost, and when uh, plans change, they they rework them. They don't just go, I will just do it. When plans change, they seem to be like, okay, let's rezone in on this. This is what the fans like. How do we do that more? How do we give them more of that? And there seems to be a more of a an urgency about their their plans. They
1: sort of, of did it. They did it with Glacier, but that's not the best example because <laughs> <laughs> they uh, from interviews they clearly had lots of meetings of you know, what his uh, character would be and what his entrance would be. But yeah, just after
0: that, I'm like, uh, maybe this was a mistake. <laughs> uh, how about you Gus? What, what do you think really sunk the ship?
2: I, I took this from a slightly different point of view because I actually picked an event. Um, but I think the event probably connects all of what you guys are saying. Really. When I was looking through the different ones, there was, it was the two starcades that really bothered me the most. Oh, 98 so. is different. I think that's okay. There's at least a finish and stuff. But for me, I think 97 probably encapsulates WCW at its worst, because they had, as you say, they have all these potentials, they have all these ideas, they have this chance to do something, and they just don't take it. All they had to do was get the Sting thing right, and they probably push out everything for at least six months, and they have this all ready to go and whatever, but they just just fumble the ball on it. There's a whole mess. They vacate the title and then he wins the title again. And it's all And the next like three, four months. As I said earlier, Randy won the belt during this period. It's a whole kerfuffle and everything they've worked hard for with Sting, everything they've done for like a year is just wasted in the space of two months, maybe. And they just don't have any sort of planning or foresight to go along and figure out what the next steps are. And I think that really comes along across, as you say, because they're so successful in 96, 97 is where it really starts to pick up and they start to become really business successful. And so everything looks great. And instead of concentrating on trying to figuring out, like, what is it that's making us successful? They just assumed they could do no wrong and just carried on. And it's really just ego and arrogance that, Causes problems, and then they don't really see the real big issues with it until they hit 1998 when everybody is now sick of the product because they've just done bullshit endings for like eight pay per view straight, and it's always somebody getting beaten up at the end by the NWO. And it turns out actually people don't really want to see that all the time, they would like to see a good story. So I think 97, the Starcade 97, really combines all that together. It's just a bad show for the most part and it's like i was looking back and and there's just people on the card and you're like why are these people on this show this is meant to be your biggest show ever and like you have this big massive main event and you should be putting your foot forward and then there's like some stupid goon like ray trailer or i can't even remember now who it is but there's some really really bad people on the card that you're like or like disco inferno i'm like why would why would you want disco on your big pay per view?
1: Yeah, Bischoff like, and Larry. Like I understood it at the time, or like I I, yeah. I understood the buildup, but it's still, it's like, did you want that match yeah. on your like best so, view and,
2: and they do this repeatedly. I mean, like a lot of the celebrity matches we watched actually weren't that bad. But it's I was the I was going
1: back. I, we were surprisingly high on most of them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like they they weren't bad for what they were. But there's so many of just them.
1: too many. Yeah.
2: And there's no concept to it. Like, if you look at WWF, they restrict those big matches to, like, WrestleMania, and it's, like, a marquee-type thing. Like, this is a freak show, almost. Like, uh, or guest referee, Mayweather. or yeah, something. Yeah, like Floyd Mayweather, a big show. Like, this is just such a carny uh, idea that you're like, okay, yeah, I'll go pay to see this. I don't care about Kevin Green's problems with the NWO, guys. <laughs> like, as much as, uh, as interested and how much effort he portrays in wrestling and he genuinely does seem to care. This is not how you market your pay-per-views. And yeah, I just I think it's just a, a mixture of what both of you have said and ego, ego above all.
1: Yep. 97 was definitely my my second choice. I wish I was watching heavily week to week at that point. Cause I I, I was wondering like, did I feel the same disappointment that I felt at the finger poke? Like I wish I knew that. Like, or is it just us knowing everything in hindsight that makes that moment so bad? That I don't yeah. know. When I was watching, I could see Thunder's terrible. Why would I ever watch this? You know, the only reason why I tuned in sometimes, like, eh, it's Thursday, nothing, no other wrestling's on, so I might as well check it out for a little yeah. bit. But then when you watch it, like, this is complete shit. So you're like, might- oh, I miss-,
2: <laughs> I miss Nitro, so I guess I'll watch this and I'll get the highlights of Nitro. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, podcast-wise, Gus, what was your favorite episode of this run? So
2: it's really funny because like it, like we said earlier, you guys said it and I do agree with it, but the very first show we did, I think is genuinely the favorite show I watched just because it was fresh and it was exciting to see, oh my God, this is a cool idea. Everything is like, it could literally go anywhere. And because I hadn't really watched it back then, it was really only WBF, I really didn't know the ins and outs. So to see how well they pulled it off to start with, I was like, oh, that's cool. And it has my guilty pleasure match. I still love that stupid brawl with the nasty boys on Public Enemy <laughs> and Dusty going absolutely apeshit about rubber sharks. <laughs> on, it's a the, well-constructed show. So, sure. yeah, it, like it, it actually is really fr- well-framed. It has a lot of the tropes that they go on to use. It has a cruiserweight match. It has like certain things in the middle. It has tag matches. It has whatever. And then it has like the drama and storyline at the top. And it it feels at the time that they're more invested and they're more creative uh, with what's going on. So I think it actually works incredibly well and it holds up very well. Yeah. Like I could tell, if you could tell somebody just watch a pay-per-view, you could watch that pay-per-view, you get a good idea of what WCW is and you, you should enjoy it. But if you don't like that, you can immediately go, don't bother watching anything else because it's, it's not going to go well for you.
0: <laughs> Mine might be... Uh... Ooh, don't know which way to go with it. We'll, we'll go kind of the opposite but the same. Early days, excited to do the podcast. Really don't know much about WCW, but the first, uh, what do they still call them, Hogwild back then. I think it was still Hogwild back then. The stir, just well, uh, the first trip. The, the first Sturgis, one. It's just such a mess. It's so bad, and but I love doing it because I could really like. I was afraid to be bashing them maybe a bit too much, or should I be like very analytical and critical about the stuff? I'm like. Nah, this is a fucking mess. I'm gonna jump into this. this the motorbike match. This is, yeah, the motorbike match. This is fucking awful. And it's, it's fun, awful though.
2: Racist and crowd. Racist you know. crowd, <laughs>
0: yeah. It's still, it was still fun. So some of the later stuff really killed me to watch because it was boring. It was bad, boring. This was still wrestle nonsense fun to me when we could really dig our teeth into bad episodes.
2: I mean, you gotta highlight a show that is only happening at a rally because your boss wants to go there
0: oh yeah <laughs> just eric's wet dream of yeah. a trip like
2: no no eric's wet dream is sold out is sold out so that's, also
1: so that's uh, actually my favorite episode so i, I kind of went this route most like most fun to record because oh, it, like true. if you know if i really want to like go with like favorite like wrestling show i don't know like Starcade Starcade ninety six stands out from like the early runs, like pretty good show. Uncensored stamp Spring Stampede 97. Like those are like pretty solid like wrestling yeah. cards that you can just you can just watch whenever. But like Sold Out was just so bad. It was just like I think we did it justice mm. with yeah. our sorrow and critique of it and by that time, I think the podcast like really hit its stride, like with our like our chemistry, like the editing, production, like our research. I think like everything was spot on for like that show. I thought that's a good. I shame. mean, it's not really that hard to critique like that bad of a no. pay per view.
2: <laughs> it's funny though. I ge- I genuinely think it would be in the top half if I had to rate them all. So about? like on, on an enjoyment level. Yeah. yeah, because at least they were trying.
1: It was a cool experiment as well. Yeah. Like, and it's like we didn't see that from WCW at all after that.
0: And, of course, we'll have to ask you for your worst. Like, what, what episode did you hate recording? M- maybe not because of the, you know, we always enjoyed working with each other, but which one was hardest to talk about?
1: It's hard, it's hard to think because there's there's a lot to pick from here. And <laughs> going back and listening, we use the term throwaway show a lot. So it's hard to <laughs> decipher which one was more throwaway. Because you, can, I couldn't tell you the difference between Slambury 97 and Slambury 98. Just can't. Impossible. I, I can't. Yeah, yeah. So... Two concepts stand out, and it's obviously like I agree with you, Dave, that Hogwild was bad, but like yeah, doing the the next two Road Wilds, it was just like torture, oh, yeah. slog. Same thing with World War Three. I think both of those are tied. Like once we did them once cool yeah. for the novelty, but then like two more years of it, I'm like I'm done. They failed to continue the storylines properly as well. So while Hogwild was fun because it was a train wreck, but like it was coming off the heels of Bachelor of the Beach, it was such a letdown. Especially what they did on the Nitros. Like the storyline was so heated. And then Hogwild was like, eh, we're at a biker rally. Yay. <laughs> so. Get on your bike we something. made no money at this show. Yay. Yeah. So <laughs> these shows weren't fun to watch. They weren't fun to talk about afterwards. Like w- without a doubt, those are like up there for me.
0: Uh, I, I, Yeah, I had to say, I had to roll Wild 98 fucking Jared. <laughs> Getting the bit. There you like, go. It was yeah. so hard to talk about. I, I, I just don't care. You couldn't make me, care. you couldn't pay me to care. It's, it's so bad. Well, it's just the World War Three
1: episodes too. It's like, yay, WCW, they're going to come together and like they, they have the numbers game too, finally. No, NW is <laughs> just
0: going to stand there and just, nah. Why wouldn't they all just attack Hogan? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Nah. because uh, you're most hated to research or watch episode or talk about.
2: It, there might be a little bit of recency bias in, in this play. And also, I just don't want to bring up nine, Starcade 97 again. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fall Brawl 98, I think, is
1: probably the worst one um, mm. because uh, it's... I, b- I blocked that from my memory. yeah.
2: Really poor booking, really bad ideas. It's like they no don't Go- have... No Cruiser Goldberg we- either, right? No Goldberg. Yeah. There's no cruiserweights on the show either, which is awful. So they're, they've they gotten rid of like the one thing that usually gets you like, okay, well, at least I got to watch this match. It has the brutally disgusting buff angle, which takes up far too much of the show. Uh, oh, this
0: has Bulldog dying as well.
2: Yeah, there's Bulldog uh, crippling himself in it. Then the War Games match itself is quite possibly the worst war games they have ever done. Uh, it's the, the nine-man one, which has no, uh, no sensical rules and all the stupidity behind it. So uh, I'm going to go with that one. There's there's probably a little bit of recency bias. Call. No, but, that's, that's a good one. That's a but, call. Especially
1: because yeah. of the two previous war games were like, not good matches, but like yeah. good storylines.
2: they're memorable. yeah, like yeah. the previous yeah. one is like Hennig beaten up and turning on them, and I'm like, yeah that is such a depressing end to a show, but it's still memorable. You're like, okay, that was a good turn at least, uh, whereas this is just awful. I think they botched the ending still, like I think there was meant to be a double pin to cause some sort of craziness and they fucked it up. Uh, um, yeah, this and-
0: is I, I'm remembering your court. this is so hard because the most effort I put into this was finding out how British Bulldog died. Literally following the death of <laughs> British Bulldogs. was the most research I put into the show. That's obviously really depressing. Like Bulldog was a well liked guy, and it's a shitty thing to have to look up. But nothing happens for the rest of the show. Yeah, it's a, and it's I have to watch Conan fucking wrestle Scott Hall. <laughs> which is oh, yeah. Man, is bad. I totally
1: blocked this pay per view. out yeah, of Yeah, mine, and we
2: didn't do it all that long ago. Like it's, it's so bad. So yeah,
0: I just thought the cover of it is like Sting and Goldberg. <laughs> The I think
2: I think all Goldberg does is he helps them at the end. So that's his one yeah, appearance on the yeah. pay view, and you're like, "Yeah, this
0: is truly one of the worst ones we fought." And again, usually, like I I hate like I hated all the like brawling stuff of the Public Enemy, but there was stuff to talk about. There's nothing on this card to talk about. Just opening bad wounds. Yeah, this is uh, a <laughs> this is a really good show. Yeah, but...
2: sorry for bringing that one up. <laughs>
0: uh, also, quick a quick bonus question here: Which was your favorite bonus episode? So I initially
1: put the Vader tribute episode. I thought that was really sound soundly done by yeah. by all of us. But I forgot about our video episode that we did of the Clash of the Champions with Dean Malenko hmm. and Ultima Dragon. So that oh, holds sweet. a
0: special place in my heart. I like that one. That was cool. You did a really good job editing that one, Connor.
1: Took a lot of time.
0: <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> How about you, Gus? What was your favorite bonus episode?
1: I think I liked
2: doing the seeing the other WWF shows at the time because it helped yeah keep me in there i think i preferred king of the ring because while like everybody has seen what happens it's to to foley over and over and over again Uh, a lot of that show is like actually quite decent uh, but you like i hadn't really seen it properly and then it has like a a stupid end um (laughs) which is just as silly as some of what wcw would do that was fun to watch i think
1: yeah, it was an most. iconic show. Like Canadian yeah. Stampede is an amazing pay per view, but it's not like as iconic as that. Yeah, one now. yeah, um,
0: I think it would have been really easy to say Stampede because it was so enjoyable and like it's so easy. It must have been easy to listen to us because it's such a cool card. I'm gonna go with the Vader tribute. He's my yeah. boy. I love Vader. Love his Japanese wrestling. Love the early WCW stuff. Was always really bummed out when I got older when I found out how shitty his WWF run was and why it was so shitty. So uh, yeah, really like having to go over the Vader stuff.
1: Yeah, particularly just because like it was. We watched two matches that like I probably would have never watched. The like the yeah. match. No, there's no way I would have ever watched that. And yeah, match. that was sweet. I was blown
0: away with it. Yeah, it's a good excuse. I I always say I'm gonna go back and watch a bunch of this wrestling instead of watching clips. Yeah, and that forced but us. You, yeah. Yeah, but you never go do it, and just made me look too really good. Should do Terry. Oh, Terry mm. would be a good show. Yeah. Oh, no, that would be sweet. Yeah, all the bonus episodes were just really good. None of these are bad. These were really just fun stuff we got to pick out. I yeah. guess the Nitro flashback is the "quote unquote" worst, but that was still kind of cool to do.
1: That was no, that was fun. Yeah, uh, was fun, yeah. I wish we did more, but yeah, it's otherwise it's, the podcast would have just never ended then. Just twelve years <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, I wanted to do ECW, maybe maybe one of these days, but yeah, we'll
0: see, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Connor has some numbers to run by us though for our next. Yeah, question.
1: so I have compiled whose side we were on, and I've compiled all the spray paints. So um, it's it's guessing game time. How many? So obviously, who won? Who won the? Who won the actual war? WCW or NWO?
0: Oh, I'm gonna say NWO because early in the cast, we, like WCW, just did so many stupid things, and we just hate when wrestlers do stupid things.
2: Um, I'm assuming where we picked an individual, you were attributing them to. a Yeah, side, yeah.
1: it was hard to like. Do I like? Do I make the push. decision? Yeah, it's. But that's what ultimately. I'd what say we're it's NWO. Oh, you guys are both wrong. So no really? Dave, you were, Dave, you were you were correct. In the early episodes, we were almost like all NWO, like pretty strictly. Yeah, yeah. But like 98, it was like all WCW because like the <laughs> Wolfpack, all that stuff was just like so bad. Oh okay, sure. yeah. So there was there was a lot of that. So the actual numbers are fifty-four times WCW, 35 NWO. So it's actually oh, wow. it's quite a gap as well. Actually Huge. quite a gap. Yeah, Can you okay. guess who voted for WCW the most?
0: Me?
2: Yeah, it was you. It wasn't yeah. me. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not no. Gus, G- Gus so you were much. you were NWO a lot. You yeah, you were a yeah. big
1: Kev fan. I,
2: I yeah. Loved yeah. <laughs> my, my guess was I was either I either picked Kev the most or yeah. Jericho.
1: <laughs>
0: yep. I yep. just remembered at the end of every pay per view, like especially the early days, being like, "God, I fucking hate Hulk Hogan." <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly. God, I hate Hulk Hogan. Yep. So I just couldn't pick him for the first like two years.
1: And there was we had a few random ones that like weren't really allegiant to. One particular side. So I counted Bam 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 Bigelow, not on a particular side. Dave chose him twice. (laughs) Gus picked Japan in our Starcade 96 Um, episode.
2: Oh, I guess they were all on the show. So yeah. And
1: Japan looked great. All the Japan wrestlers won. So yeah. 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 Yeah, Makes sense. And then Dave, of course, picked Raven's Flock. So there you go. Of course. course This is like the the early iterations when they weren't really affiliated with
2: it. When Stevie Stevie was still on the the roster.
0: Stevie was was great.
2: I don't. He didn't wrestle once, right? So, no. like...
0: and it got really sad. I thought he just left the company fucking Raven got him f- fired. Like the best bit of his acting got fired.
1: Yeah. Uh, spray paints. Yes. Oh
0: God! So, this is gonna be weird because I know they just stop in the middle and they start mm. at the end, and there's loads at the start. I'm gonna say a hundred and twenty. Oh no, my no, God! That's not, way too not, high. Yeah, way too high.
1: Maybe fifty. You're very close. Forty-six. We oh, had 46 wow. spray cans, so yeah it was pretty much right so ninety, well 96 and 97 had like a pretty equal number but 98 yeah. fell off a cliff
2: yeah they basically just didn't do any the entire time i watched nitro there was nothing until so the very end there was day like day one
1: do yeah so i think that's why the finger poke was just like so infuri- infuriating when they brought out the spray cans like you're really going to go back to the well with 96 and 97 when we had to like, endure all that shit yeah. it's like come on guys
0: do you think they stopped because it got old? Or do you think they stopped because wrestlers were like, I have to scrub for like two hours. A little bit of both, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Do yeah. this.
2: Laziness probably as well.
0: Yeah. Kind of been that safe as well. Like they did it near people's faces a all.
1: Going through the list, guys that got spray painted the most. Ray Traylor Randy. got sprayed. Ray, <laughs> Randy got sprayed a ton. <laughs> Ray to <laughs>
0: yeah. What a waste!
1: There was like five episodes in a row where he got sprayed.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder he moved
1: company. And this is like I was I was marking by who too. So let's see by Hogan, Bagwell sprayed him. Liz sprayed him for some reason. <laughs> Jesus, how humiliating! It was weird.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth
1: does
2: nothing like <laughs> in all those so shows.
0: Uh, I'll ask a big question here in the end. If you could change one thing about this era, what would it be? <laughs>
2: My semi-serious jokey answer is Eric's ego. Uh, (laughs) But realistically, I think the major thing for me, if they had kept the belt on Lex, I think, for even a little bit, I think there might have been a a bit of more of a direction at that point. It might have screwed with Sting somewhat. But I mean, Sting could have wrestled whoever. He still could have wrestled Hogan at Starcade. Like, it doesn't have to be for the belt. And I think having, maybe if they had planned, like, the stable to implode slightly earlier and with a bit more idea. I think it might've made a difference. Yeah. It could, yeah, have, been more, it could have been
1: more grand for sure. Yeah. Like it was, it just was a very throwaway. Oh yeah. Our biggest group ever. Yeah. We're kind of breaking up. Yeah. I had a similar answer. So. I mean, I obviously I was not a Bishop fan. I just wish he wasn't in the NWO. Like if he has to be in, I wish at least they would like wait for him to join down the line. Because they big twist, yeah. It was that was our big criticism of Starcade ninety six, which I think we we hit it pretty great that they just rushed way too many things by November and December. It was just way too much. Way too many members that joined the group, and then the solar experiment obviously was like doomed from the start. I feel like they could have just like slowed it down a little bit so that like the the sting storyline like wasn't the entire year. There was a better way to bridge the gap there. And I, I agree with you a little bit, Gus, too. That was some portion of the Sting storyline definitely could have been changed. I don't yeah. know what, I don't know if I could be like one thing. It has to be like multiple things. So I think that's yeah. why I, yeah. I, I didn't
0: like go fully on that. I have probably an answer that wouldn't have changed much, but something I personally would have liked to see is I would have liked to see more of a woman's division. I think... Ugh. Yeah, I think well. we could argue all day there's so many missed storylines. Sting should have been bigger. Goldberg should have been bigger. DDP, get Hogan the fuck out of there. Get Bishop They make so many mistakes with the main one. It's really hard to pinpoint where it actually changed. My answers probably don't mess up the Sting storyline. And I think Gus is right. It extends the company's life by a long time. But I actually really like looking back at the old episodes, what they were doing with Medusa against all these Japanese women wrestlers who are... Now, kind of just legends in that part of their industry. Yeah, there was like two Japanese Yeah, women well, we, we didn't get to see a bunch of them in the qualifiers and stuff. And apparently, they defended a bit in Japan. I just, I would have loved to see what they did with the Cruiserweight division, bringing in all these like Mexican wrestlers. And there's like really good Japanese and Mexican uh, wrestling women in this era. And a, a party they could get, like there's reading out a list of them here. There's a bunch of them that they got from Japan, so they could have got more of them. And I just kind of would have liked to see that. And I think I also like Medusa a lot. And obviously, she kind of just got screwed in this. Just kind of ruined her career for a pop. Then, then they just got rid of the division they were going to build around her. So that that sucks. I don't think this would have made a difference to the war at all. But I think it could have kind of been cool, and it would have got to give us a chance to see a bunch of Japanese kind of uh, wrestlers that have no mainstream coverage at all. So I
1: actually like your answer, but I would reconstructure it just a little bit. I would say yeah. I would kind of group it together as WCW needed to carry over that variety. Yeah. By '98, yeah, we don't have we don't have a women's division, but we don't have tag team wrestling. We don't have uh, the Luchadors really wrestle anymore. Like we had all those that really varied up the show. So like that's why I think we hated '98 so much too. Another small detail too that they really stopped doing. By 98, it was match, 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 match. The early pay-per-views, it was like match, promo, match, promo. Like some of the promos were like a little tiring and like, you know, the behind the scenes or behind the, you know, backstage with Gene or whatever. So they like weren't great. They weren't like super innovative, but like it was something different to break up the formula of just all matches. And that was it. So I think that's another big reason why 98 was such a slog. So I, yeah. I agree with you, Dave. I, th- I think that w- that's a yeah. that's a big change that like really would have kept the product
0: from Not, being so stagnant. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a better, better way to phrase the answer. Yeah. And especially in the, like these undercards, like seeing random Japanese wrestlers, seeing random Mexican wrestlers that you hadn't seen before, and that you don't necessarily need to see again that often. Right, like they're just this cool surprise, and then you get to have that like debut mini feeling without it, you know, having to push the warrior to the top of the card because he's back, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, it it, it does lose a lot of its spice, and it's, like, global feeling. It feels very more insulated into 98.
2: The other thing, too, along the the lines of the segments is those promos were about the show. They were like, I'm about to go wrestle, blah, blah, blah. Whereas 98 becomes, I'm going to do a segment, but you're not going to find out about this until Nitro.
1: Or, s- yeah, or we're going to really do clips.
2: Yeah. yeah, and you're just like, oh, so why is this on the show at all kind yeah. of stuff? And they're deflating. Whereas at least, like, yes, those promos could be bad or they could be mental like Pipers, but they were very purposeful and they were very focused of, like, you're here, you're about to get this conclusion, you're about to get this or that and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally agree.
0: I'm going to do some of these uh, next questions as a bit of a quick fire. Just... Give me your answer. You don't have to go in-depth. Just let's see what we think about this one. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to do wrestlers first. Underrated, Connor. Ultimo
1: Dragon comes to mind.
2: Damn it. That's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Billy Kidman.
1: Mm, Alex I Wright,
0: that? I think.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, good one. Uh, uh, faces of Fear come to mind, too.
0: Yep. Faces of Fear is an yep. amazing show. Uh Overrated, Connor. Oh
2: for this time period
0: yes for, for specifically what we've had in the in the cast
2: every one of the radicals except for eddie guerrero
0: yeah mm. the, the, a completely acceptable answer can i say hogan i mean like yeah 100 uh he was yeah. one of my my top couple answers maybe uh, randy at
1: times but i i felt like at times he was un, also underrated though eh, uh, i sorry also, no, 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 i changed my answer changed my answers piper 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if he was highly rated at, at the time but like he was like one of our like least favorite parts of the podcast yeah. i warrior yeah see I, yeah. I knew i knew about warrior going in though so. Yeah, at least he wasn't oh a, yeah, a, yeah. yeah like i knew <laughs> but it was
0: still like oh my god uh i'm gonna say raven i enjoyed him but yeah like
2: yeah i think he's massively right overrated
0: yeah that's a good yeah. one too yeah uh properly rated which like you came in expecting something of them and they delivered ddp
2: chris jericho
1: Mm.
0: Ray, yeah,
2: Ray. Like, yeah. Ray, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're, like, they're not, like, I thought maybe he was overrated. A lot of guys that went to WB afterwards, I'm like, oh maybe they spoke them up too much, you know, like, oh WCW lost this good prospect. Now, Ray was exactly what everyone said. Uh most underutilized. I guess it kind of goes with underrated, but maybe someone that wasn't on the shows enough. Goldberg.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that I mean that's that's a that's a good answer. Uh done it. That's
2: Uh, true.
0: Norton, he's great. That's that's a good answer. That's a
2: good one. Yeah, I think he's just in Japan loads. To be fair, I think so.
0: I I think they don't have access to him. But yeah, I would have loved to see him. As I said, warm him up and have the main event baby faces. Right,
1: there could have been like more focus, like short spurts of like focus on him. Yeah, they never really felt anything like that. He's a
0: beast that shows up and you need to defeat kind of thing, you know. Which they
2: did do a lot on Nitros. When he did show up, he would do that thing. He would beat like four guys in a row. And then he disappear again.
0: Yeah. He just wasn't ever on the cast that much. Oh. I'd probably go Sting.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. Like, Damn. Sting maybe? Maybe, yeah. maybe Brett. In a way, Brett? I I can't go with Brett just because, like, just so much was going on with his life that, like, I, yeah. I just feel like nothing could have been done with him. Almost. I don't okay. think that's a wrong answer, though.
0: Who did you completely change your mind about? Have a completely different opinion about before the cast? <sighs> I'll go with this one first. Mine's... Uh, right? He goes kind of already touching it. Chris Bamwa just did nothing for me. Thought he was below average.
1: That's not bad. Okay. I'm going to go Luger. I thought he was going to be absolute dog shit because I, I, obviously by 98 he was and that's what I remember him most. But like his 96 and 97 run was like pretty good. So yeah, that's fair.
2: I'll go with Flair. He was really running out of gas at that point and I thought he was I thought he was uh, had a bit more at that stage, but no, he really wasn't
0: yeah, I've always hated the story where people like, oh, they wanted him to cut his hair and change his gimmick. Yeah, no, his, his gimmick and his hair, like, it wasn't working when people asked him to. Like, it's it's in, impossible to think of now because he had a re- rejuvenation, but his career was petering a lot in, in these kind of eras. Uh, who impressed you most? Who who did you not expect to be impressed by and, like, come out wowed?
1: Dean. I did not think I was going to be, like, wowed at all by him. I thought he was just going to be super boring, super vanilla, which he was t- for the most part. Yeah. But like, I felt like he delivered more than like he should have. That's tough. Uh, what do you got Dave? Well, I think
0: Eddie, Eddie by far, like I knew Eddie yeah. was good from where yeah. he came from. He, we were so down on him early on. Yeah. 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 He just overnight, he became bland baby faced at best heel I've seen in the mid card. Oh, go started.
2: with DDP then.
0: Yeah. yeah awesome. He
2: worked really yep. hard.
0: Uh, and he'll completely let you down who was, was like just not what you expected at all Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> H- Hogan yeah mine is snap Hogan it's not close I don't like Hogan I've never liked Hogan and he was worse than I expected
2: uh, I'm probably gonna go with Sting I think in the end
1: that's a good answer
0: too yeah right? just yeah, just not as much as I thought Yeah, like I like Sting's run yeah, so yeah. best title run or favourite title run
2: it's one but of Chris again. Jericho's
0: yeah, um, maybe Eddie's one. Eddie's US one. So Eddie's US one where he's like being yeah, a
1: complete Shaheel. I would say almost Outsiders title tag team title run. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's
0: good. also a good. Uh, the earlier one.
1: The way it ended sucked and like the way it petered out at the end, but like I thought like the way it started till like for the first like 6 months of their run as
0: Until team they season. hit
2: the Steiner feud. Yeah, it's yeah. really good.
0: Yeah. Uh and what was your least favorite title run? Annie
2: Hogan one. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> Prince yeah. Ikea television champion.
0: Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's uh, completely awful. That's probably a
2: really bad one as well. Uh,
1: Je- Jeff Jars. There you go. Another good one. Yeah. Stains
0: title, if you can count it.
1: I wouldn't say that one. His yeah. match against DDP saves everything for me.
0: That's fair. I, I guess I say least favorite because so disappointing. I wanted so much yeah, more from Yeah, for sure. for sure. And we'll go a bit longer for these ones. In the end, what was the NWO's like ninety eight? So the last kind of year of our cast, we know what their point is kind of early. We've discussed this and dissected it. What in ninety eight is really their point, and what is like the highs and lows of the storyline?
1: Do they have a point? I don't. it's yeah, hard to answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think
0: this is the yeah the root of the question. I don't think they do. Like the the split is very. I weird. they don't know where they're going. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I can actually come up with a high point. Maybe Scott and Kev reunion before. Gold,
1: Goldberg
2: winning the title is probably the
1: high point. Yeah. I mean, Kevin and Scott, I thought was like a really, I thought it was a, a captivated storyline, even though it's kind of gross, knowing the backstage politics. But yes. uh, I, th- I thought something that was, I was surprised with was probably Kevin Nash in 98. I thought he was a lot better than what I was expecting.
0: Yep. And um, without getting super in-depth, because I'm sure we could write a thesis on this, what would have you done with Bret Hart?
2: That's an entire cast, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Put the belt on him. <laughs> That's probably the simple answer. I think
0: have a very similar. Just haven't beat Hogan.
1: It doesn't even have to be Hogan. Be a leader of WCW. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned this kind of before. He kind of comes in as, I'm going to make sure people don't cheat or whatever or get screwed or whatever. You know, the, going in line with the Montreal Screwjob, fine, feed off that. But they like... All right, I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna be a shitty referee, and then he just kind of went away from that. Like I felt like they could have stayed on that for the rest of like his run.
2: Have have Sting win the belt immediately feud with Brett. Brett gets the belt. Reset the mm. slate. Go from there.
0: And fact, Connor, I'll let you take the lead on this one because uh, for the for the listeners out there that might may, maybe don't know, Connor was the one that pitched this idea and the timeline for it. Really cool concept that we're excited to do. But why choose the finger poke as the point we finish on?
1: Yeah, because it, it kind of feels like the NWO is just fading at this point. So it's really not a wrestling war anymore. And ninety-nine is just such a cluster that it's just like, what is like you can't even decipher like what it isn't at this point. And the finger poke is just kind of a definitive moment of where the the fans just kind of like lost confidence. So ideally we probably could have gone for like a couple or more months, but like is it really. Like the company, like they do the rebrand and like a, I think it's like two months they come up with a new logo. So the company is just like it's it's a completely different company by that point. That's why like it's always hard to choose of like when did the attitude ever start? Like blah blah blah. Like it's easy to start like you now. Bash is pretty much the start. We probably could have started maybe one pay per view before that because that's when the outsiders showed up. Bash is obviously like the clear choice, and like finger poke is kind of like the bookend almost. Yep,
0: yeah. I think so. I think it was actually really good. Completely agree, agree with, with all, all that. that? I think a lot of the stuff past here will be us uh, just bashing the same things over and over again, to be honest.
2: As a lot of the guys start to move on as well. Yeah. Like yeah. Eric disappears and Giant leaves. Yeah. Giant. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hall is, has all his issues yeah. and stuff. So.
0: Yeah. Great answers. Guys, this was our last episode in this timeline. I just want to say to the fans, our plan going forward is to take a break. This was the end of our timeline. We are not sure what we're going to do with this uh, project going forward, but this was this section. This was a project six years in the making. And uh, I want to say, uh, do you guys have any last words uh, for the fans out there?
1: Yeah. I I want to take something on this. Not that anybody is like demanded an answer from us about this. Yeah. But like, obviously, yeah, we started this cast in 2017. There's not that many episodes that we had to do. Like we had a good rhythm starting out for the first, like, you know, up until the pandemic. So obviously that yep. slowed us down mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. But the other obvious reason that like, I don't really have to share. Nobody's demanding an answer for me, but like my daughter having brain cancer and then passing away recently, like it just stopped everything pretty much. That's why like, we just didn't really do episodes very often. So I appreciate our audience not demanding like where the fuck are episodes or anything like that. I, th- I appreciate all our fans have been very nice about it. So just wanted to give an explanation. Not that anybody was demanding one, but that's kind of a reason. And to be honest, like the pandemic, like really, kind of hindered my love for wrestling. Especially watching like the current product. Like I haven't watched the current product pretty much since the pandemic. Like I got into AEW a little bit afterwards, but like it hasn't. I was like so into the current stuff until that point. I don't know about you guys.
0: Yeah, uh, it certainly did. I didn't watch much over there, but I, I, I'm watching a lot now with the double company. I, I it's really appreciate you being uh, very open with our audience there, Connor. And uh, I can't uh, imagine having to have worked at all through what you were going through. So you yeah. still adding the episodes one in one out. So
1: it helped though. Like that's you. obviously I would I, w- I would have just stopped the cast if it didn't. So it was nice to have a break. It's nice to have something to keep my mind focused on. So, um, you know, I appreciate talking to you guys. You know, I'm definitely gonna miss the the little break we have now because it's gonna be a little different that we're gonna take a little break. And not sure what we're gonna do. So, but if you like anybody wants to reach out to us and like, hey, you should do this or whatever. Yeah, any uh, suggestions. Please do, yeah. Yeah, feel free. I mean, obviously, I I know we want to do like a music of WCW episode, like I I still have ideas written down, but um yeah, I'm not sure sh- I'm not sure what we're gonna do.
0: We'll see. We'll see how we feel after a couple of weeks. I'm sure after a couple of weeks we're gonna go, ah no podcast this month and give us some thoughts yeah
1: but I'm glad we started though like I, I, I I, really had a lot of fun doing this
2: well, I would really appreciate in particular if people picked good wrestling shows because uh, <laughs> no. I think that was one of the problems as well with the pandemic is that when we hit the pandemic we were starting to get through to the bad stuff
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so it's yeah. a lot it's a lot more difficult to get interested and, and, and encouraged to watch that stuff when you're like oh, I know this yeah. is going to be bad Yep, And I know I'm going to have to suck it up and watch this thing and probably not enjoy it kind of thing.
0: So, so uh, all of TNA next, is it, Gus? Oh, God.
2: <laughs> no. No, we can't. There's no easy access to that stuff. So, <laughs>
0: No, it's true. It's true. Like,
2: <laughs> I'd much rather watch, like, Mid-South or something from the 80s oh. than that. Jesus.
0: <laughs> but that's us for another edition of the NWO versus WCW podcast. Oh, I'm going to oh, bring oh, in.
1: Oh. 'Cause we did it we did a good job of getting it right. The first like ten episodes we got the name wrong or I screwed something up. Oh god, never end that. In <laughs> Because I, I I I thought about this too, listening to the old episodes. I would call it Monday Night Nitro. I'm like, Connor, you're a fucking idiot. It's WCW Monday Nitro. I'm like, it took me so long to fix <laughs> How do that. I get it I'm Like, God, I'm you're lost. such an idiot. How do I get it wrong? Literally the first episode, Dave, you you do the NWO versus WCW. I'm like, oh yes. man. i so they're the more important
0: one. They're the more important one. Let me no, try per, again. Perfect. Book again. No, in. I'm keeping it all
1: in. No. Leave that all yeah, in. Yeah,
0: that's us for of another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Got it. I I normally rattle off a bunch of info where you can catch us, throw it over to Connor, to tell us on social media. But instead, I just want to really thank everyone for listening for these six years. I wouldn't have dreamed we had so many people. We have like over a thousand listens on a bunch of the episodes on SoundCloud. Uh, I really want to thank Connor. He brought this to me six years ago when we were doing another podcast. This was such an amazing idea and I'm so grateful that he made me part of it. And thank you so much for Gus for jumping in two feet first, not even knowing Connor at the time, me having been to introduce him and having to put up with my wrestling opinions, not only over these <laughs> six years, but much beyond it the entire life uh known of. Uh thank you all. Uh and if we put out any more projects, we'll let you know. But until until then, we'll see you next time.